Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Man, all right. Good morning, Mercy family. Good morning. Man. Um, I want to say Happy New Year to you. I know, like we've been saying this morning, we can't just magically expect everything to change just because, uh, you know, the calendar tripped over. But like we said, our God is a God who is making all things new. And um, I'm coming into this year hopeful, and I really hope you are as well. What we celebrated at Christmas is still true. As we kick off this year, God loves you. God wants you. And God has come to rescue and redeem messed up, broken people just like you and I. Um, Y'all, the idea of starting a new year, it always reminds me I'm a new creation in Christ. The power for change is in him. He's in me. That gets me hype, right? And here at the start of the year, I got some fresh stuff from God's word to, to share with you. Most of last fall, I was praying both on my own and then with the elders of our church about what God has next for uh, Mercy Church, for our church. Let me explain. We've been around for five years now which means we're not the new kids on the block anymore, as awesome as that band was, right? Like that was the OG boy band. You know, some of y'all had Donnie Wahlberg on your wall. You know you did. Now you drive a minivan. Things are different now, but that, that's not mercy anymore, you know? Um, God has built and grown a gospel ministry here that I am I'm proud to be a part of. I'm honored to pastor. I'm eager to move forward with. We're a growing church with members who believe God has something that he wants to do in and through us. So today, we're beginning a series of sermons that's going to lay out our vision for the next five years of Mercy Church. I'm going to share with you our vision, which is our way to say, I'm going to tell you where I think God is taking us and why. We're going to unveil some big moves that Mercy intends to make that's going to affect what our ministry is going to look like here for years to come. And I'm going to share with you our ministry values over the course of this series, the the guiding principles that define who we are, basically why we do what we do. Uh, It's taken five years to get a handle on who we are, what our identity is as a local church, uh, what makes us Mercy Church. And now we're putting language to what God is building here, and I'm excited for that. Because you're going to listen, you're going to hear throughout this series, it's a very, very important time for us to rally together around a God-glorifying, culture-engaging vision for a local church. Y'all, we have as a church the joy, the joy of sharing the good news of the gospel with our community here in Charlotte um, and in our area. But listen, over the past 30 years... You probably know this. If you don't know it statistically, you've felt it. Um, over the past 30 years, the church in the West, right? So in the, definitely in America, in the West, has lost some ground. Before 2020, two-thirds of American churches were on the decline. All right, and it's estimated as just early estimates. We can't know the full impact of the pandemic once we come out of it, but early estimates are around 25% of churches that, are alive, that were alive will not survive it. Now listen, 
The good news is the gospel is just as true today as it was 30 years ago. God hasn't changed. People's need for Jesus hasn't changed. But a big reason the church in the West has lost ground is because we haven't acknowledged some of the cultural shifts that have taken place and, and the impacts they've had on people. We haven't figured out how to build churches and make disciples that present the gospel as a compelling alternative to the present worldviews of the day. Uh, but as our ministry resident, Brett uh, Bolden, said in our sermon last week, Christ really is better. Yes. He's still better. And in this series, we're going to talk about what kind of Christians and what kind of church God is calling us to be so that we can give our lives the rest of our lives to helping our children, our friends, and our community see that Christ is better. Yeah. To remind one another uh, how Christ is better. So I'm telling you, if you're new with us, man, you could not have picked a better time to check out a church. Right. All right, we're going to go over who we are, like vision and values over who we are and who we're going to be for the foreseeable future. It's, it's an awesome thing. Um, and I'm going to tell you, as excited as I am, you're going to hear some of our members um, super excited about this. I kind of want to give a little reminder to like the, I guess the moment, maybe reinforce what Charlie said as he was leading our worship time this morning. Um, right now, this room that you're sitting in is at absolutely full capacity, but it doesn't feel like it. All right. Because you see all these empty chairs because we're just kind of prayerfully saying, all right, God, the pandemic's going to end sometime. We're leaving the chair set up for when it does. Right. That, that old sort of thing. So not only that, you're behind a mask. Okay, so there's half the people we normally have in a room and you're behind a mask. So I'm going to tell you, I encourage you as Charlie did to be as expressive as you want to be because I can't see you smiling. I can kind of see your eyes go up a little bit sometimes like when you smile or something like that. But if you're frowning, that's the good news. I can't see that. But feel free to engage as much as you want in this. All right. Um, in sharing our vision, I'm going to take you to the passage of scripture that God had just laid on my heart really all last fall. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be there for a few weeks. Today, we're going to be in verses one and two. That's it. The heartbeat that I believe has come to capture who Mercy Church is, I see it in these couple of verses. So I'm going to walk through them. I'm going to show you a couple of things that I think we need to consider personally, like each one of us needs to consider as followers of Jesus. And then what we got to consider collectively. That's how the sermon series is going to go. Just about each sermon, how do each of us individually need to respond to God's word? And then what does this mean for us collectively as a church? And I'm hoping really coming out of this is for some big steps of faith for you. Like big things that you kind of put before the Lord and you go, you talk with the Lord, respond to his word. And the Lord calls you to some big steps. And then I want you to, to hear and, and jump into some steps he's calling us to as a church. All right. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. All right, therefore, we're just going to start there. Because whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for. Right. Ah. Um, and this is referring, of course, to chapter 11, where for 40 verses, the apostle Paul, who I think wrote this thing, catalogs the history of the faith of God's people trusting the Lord against overwhelming odds. And he opens this chapter where he's going to call us to endurance, to bold steps of faith. He opens by reminding us that we're not alone. Yeah. We're not alone in this. And we haven't gone first. Yeah. All right. In fact, there's a whole great cloud of witnesses who believed God's ways was better than the ways of the world in their day. It was costly and it was countercultural to believe that every single time. Yeah. He says, by faith, Noah. Every single time he starts with by faith. And he goes back and he says, by faith, Noah built an ark. 
Nobody praised Noah for building an ark. Yeah. Nobody, he did not win favor with the culture for building an ark. No, they mocked him for his obedience to God. By faith, Abraham left everything to obey God. You don't leave everything at the stage in life where you've finally gotten everything and really established yourself. You don't leave everything. But he saw God's promise of blessing as better than culture's promise of blessing, better than the American dream of his day. Nobody applauded him. Nobody got super excited for him going and, and following the Lord. By faith, Moses stepped down from power and then challenged that very power under the threat of death because he believed God's power was stronger than, than any power he could attain on earth, and he believed that God was better. Others were tortured. Man, you go, you read through this, it says they were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might gain a better resurrection. In other words, when culture drew a line in the sand, they chose to believe Christ and die rather than recant and live. Yeah. That's the cloud of witnesses. Amen. Real human, you got to get real people, real humans who believed God had something better for them than anyone or anything on earth. That's the true historical church. That's our heritage as Christians. God's people living faithfully as best they could in their day. And God is saying this is a large cloud. Hebrews 12, 1. Large cloud. Like, not the, I wish I knew, I didn't think about, like, what are the different kinds of clouds, you know? So I want to say the cumulus clouds, not just the one big puffy white one, right? But, like, the clouds today. You know what I mean? Like everywhere, this is actually really good, engulfing us, because it was engulfing us today, like your drive this morning, you couldn't even see that far because of the clouds surrounding you. It's that, thank you, Lord, for that great illustration as we all drove into church today, right? So good. Engulfing us. Therefore, since we got that kind of, that's the witnesses, right? That's the amount of people who have gone before us. You are not the first one to take this step, but it is your turn. Let us. It's our time. Listen, even as though, even though we're only five years old, I do want to say something. We got a history here. And I want to say to you who are with us now, some have gone before you. I think of 2015 to 2017. Think of our launch team and our early members. They poured blood, sweat, and tears into launching this church. Yeah. I mean, literally, you're like, oh, blood, sweat. No, no, no. People bled setting up and tearing down over at the Levine Center, okay? I promise you. Um, I even fell off a ladder once. But... Look, they did so because following God into a church plant was an act of obedience so that more people could come to see that Christ was better. And God honored that. In fact, a couple of those people are now with the Lord. They're among that cloud. And others God called away to other works. So listen to me, you who are with us now. Now is your turn to pick up this ministry. Not to spectate and not to be a consumer. Look, our mission at Mercy Church is not to make consumers who love self, love convenience, and love our comforts. No, it's to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love each other, and love our world. And when you read right here, let us, you need to read yourself into that pronoun. It's time for you to pick up and own this ministry to honor the generation, the first generation of Mercy members by practicing the same kind of faith. Y'all, the number one enemy of church impact in its community is its own people spectating instead of participating. You'll know you've done that, by the way, when your pronouns start to change, all right? Like when you go from referring to mercy as they to mercy as we, 
from that church to my church, right? And by the way, I have no problem at all telling you to jump in here to this local church, but if this ain't the one for you, we will help you find the church that can be that local church for you. Just participate somewhere, same team, all right? But you got to get off the sidelines and in. And whatever your past, whatever your present, I want you to know God does have a ministry planned for you to work through you, to show off his glory through you. Like middle schoolers, if you're in here, you're a parent of a middle, middle schooler or a friend of a parent of a middle schooler, middle schoolers are not too young. Right, I'm going all the way to sixth grade, not too young. In fact, I could go beneath that, right? Nobody is too young. You need to realize God has ministry for you right now. You are a part of us. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of y'all's stories and my story is the same way. I had a friend in school who invited me, who shared with me, yeah. who told me, who invited me over to their parents' house and their family's house, and we had dinner together, and our families got to know each other, and that's how I came to faith. Yeah. But you are not too young. And maybe, listen, maybe it's not a young thing. Maybe it's just a, you don't feel like you're ready. You don't feel like you're qualified. The only qualifier for ministry is belief in the grace that God himself has already supplied for you. No matter your past, he can restore and redeem you through that grace. He plans to use you to help others find hope in him. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but no matter who you are, God has a work to do in you and then through you. And I hope for many of you, I hope your action step is going to be to make the church your church, to pick up ministry here to reach today's world with the gospel. He says, let us lay aside. Man, we're going to lock in here for a minute. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. This little picture, word picture, is so, so good. The Christian life is a race. That's what he's saying. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I don't know if you run, like I try sometimes, usually fail. Um, but if you run a marathon, you run that differently than a sprint. Right? A sprint needs speed. A marathon needs endurance. And too many young Christians try to sprint with speed and they get exhausted. And they flame out a year after college because they didn't have a faith that was ready to endure the hardships of life, that wasn't ready to be tested against competing worldviews. Now, look, he doesn't say don't run hard. Run hard. In fact, if you were under 30 years old, we are counting on you to set the pace for our church. Because old people, like those people over 30, not like me and you, okay, but those people over 30, man, they get settled too easily. But you got to have endurance for that run. How do you run the marathon? Look what he says. Lay aside the things that will ensnare you. This is the one that I, I think this verse, this part of this verse, is what we want to skip over in the Christian life. You understand what he's saying? Anything that is a threat to slow you down in following Jesus or to sideline you in following Jesus, get rid of it. Lay it aside. And that's going to take some work because these things easily ensnare you. Easily. You ever notice how easy it is to get distracted from following God? For everything to be going right? Everything's going good, man. You're close to the Lord. You're reading your Bible. It's only January 3rd. You probably didn't past two days. You're three for three right now coming into this morning, right? And you're, you're sitting there, you're close. And then somehow it's, you'll say this. It's like I woke up one day and I was just in a dark place. 
That propensity, by the way, when you're there, or maybe it's not a dark place, maybe it's something that you really love, but the propensity to like it when you are ensnared by sin, that's your sin nature. Yeah. We all have it. The human heart, it's like a steering wheel just out of alignment. If you leave it to itself, it's going to whoop right off the path. And the reason I find so many Christians miss out on the joy of running the Christian life is that they're trying to run while carrying a lot of that extra weight, a lot of those hindrances. And this isn't talking about suffering, by the way, guys. Suffering in Scripture is a catalyst for faith. All right? This is talking about sin. The things in your, in your life that act like weights around your leg that keep you from running with God. These are the snares that grab you and pull you off the path entirely. And a big thing I'm going to ask you in this series is what sin, what self-focused indulgence keeps you from running the race God created you for? And y'all, I bet you know it. I, I bet I don't really need to preach much more about it because if you just think about it for more than a couple of seconds, you know it. And in the month of January, I want you to throw it off. Yeah. Throw it off. Cast it aside. Throw it down at the foot of the cross. And I want you to tell God, God, I need some help throwing this off. Yeah. It's too big of a burden for you to throw off on your own. Or you would have already. Right? right? You would already done that. You're like the guy in the gym. I've been there before. You're like the guy in the gym who is trying to, thinks he can bench press 250 and he can't. You know what I'm talking about? So here's what he does. If you have uh, ever seen the gym like I have, right? He gets it and he's on the thing. He's like, let's go, let's go. He's stomping his feet a couple times, you know, he's getting himself ready, laying down on that bench. And then he pushes it off the bar and kaboom, it's just on his chest. And that thing ain't going anywhere. And he, if you tell him, hey man, throw that off. I'm trying with everything I got, right? But it ain't working. That's like a lot of you, right? You need some help. You need to ask the Lord for help, and you need to get a spotter. <laughs> you need to ask a friend for some help. Maybe it's a new friend, by the way. You're like, I don't know. I don't want to let other people know my junk. Well, what are your options? Stand there with the, lay there with the bar on your chest, or ask somebody that you ain't ever met before to help you out with that thing. That's what community group is for around here, to help you make friends that also want to run with Jesus. And then we run together. Let me be specific on a couple of things. To those of you who are just immersed in pornography right now, with the help of the Lord, throw it away. You are declared by Christ to be free from that. You don't have to have it. Christ can give you victory over it, but you've got to get some help. You gotta tell somebody and they'll help you. We will help you if you just ask. Some of you listen, it's financial debt. You are a slave to your credit card. We got a course here um, called Financial Peace to help you get free from debt, to do the things you wanna do that God is calling you to. There are areas of generosity and ministry He's calling you to, but you are enslaved to it and to the practices that got you there. So take a step this month and throw it off. Husbands and wives, let's get personal. Throw off bitterness and anger and deceit that you have been harboring towards one another. Take your marriage to the Lord. God in his grace has given you someone to run that race with hand in hand. Let the Lord, let some others help you out. You know why this matters? Why this all matters is throwing this stuff off. It's because God uses people to introduce other people to himself. But what I know from scripture is that he won't be mocked. 
So if we try and preach a gospel that is not actually changing us, if we try to preach a call to repentance while holding on and hiding sin, God's not going to honor that. Y'all, we can build a big program here without the Lord. You can live a double life yourself. You have that ability to play the game and yet secretly give yourself to your sin. But you will not find joy in the Lord that way. In fact, Jesus called folks who lived that way in his day, he called them whitewashed tombs, nicely cleaned up containers of death. And there's this moment in scripture where the people of God are going to battle in the Old Testament, but they get crushed all because of the sin of one man. A non-leader, regular guy named Achan was hiding secret sin, and so the Lord didn't go with his people. The army suffered serious defeat until that one man's sin was exposed. Now, I'm not making one-for-one comparison necessarily, but I am saying that God takes your hidden sin and my hidden sin so serious, he'll stop everything because he will not be mocked like you, by you pretending to others like it doesn't exist. But the great news for you is that while Achan was put to death for his sin, Jesus was put to death for yours yes. and for mine. So you can repent, and instead of death, you can find forgiveness. <laughs> you can find freedom, and you can find the power to throw that thing off, to cast it down. Somebody needs to hear that today. You need, the, you need to let the Holy Spirit climb over the wall that you have put up and receive the hope that you can be free. Yes. Not by pursuing pleasure that leaves you empty and numb. That's not freedom. That slavery to sin masquerading is freedom. True freedom comes from Christ who actually fulfills the deeper desires that you're trying to fill up, trying to fulfill through those shallow, empty, temporary fixes. But you got to trust him. You got to remember the cloud. And without knowing how it's going to turn out, you throw aside those hindrances and sins. And as you do, look at verse two. Look at this. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. The source. He is the beginning of our faith. He's the one who not only grants us access to salvation, he initiates our desire for his salvation. The gospel is the power of God to save. Jesus is the source. Some of your translations might read, he's the pioneer or the author. He is the day spring, says Zechariah. The only reason we have any hope in this life is Christ. Our cause, our origin story as believers and as a church is Christ. The title of this sermon series is Because of Christ. The heartbeat of Mercy Church is because of Christ. We are saved, redeemed, empowered only because of Christ. It's not about me. It's about Christ and what he wants to do in and through me. So let's do a little, I'm just going to read off a few things that I wrote down. Think of the promises that you have because of Christ. But I put them in the first person pronoun so that you can, even in your heart, you can say them out loud if you want to. You know me, I kind of get on a roll, start going pretty fast. But if you want to keep up, keep up, all right? But look, I don't care. And especially if you're watching this, you're um, tuning in online, all at home. Maybe you do need to say these out loud because the only person that really needs to hear these the most is you anyways. All right? Here it is. Listen, because of Christ, I have new life. Because of Christ, I am loved. Because of Christ, I am wanted. Because of Christ, I am whole. Because of Christ, I have God's presence. 
presence. Because of Christ, I have a family. That's the church. Because of Christ, I have a purpose. And because of Christ, I have eternal victory. Because of Christ. Man, you're alive right now because of Christ. You're a new creation because of Christ. Your family legacy is being rewritten because of Christ. Your broken past is left in the grave. It didn't come out with you because of Christ. You have hope and peace because of Christ. He is the source of our faith. He's our savior. He's the one who's better than anything else. He's the friend of the sinner. He's the healer. He's the creator and the sustainer. He's the source of this church's faith. Some of us planted mercy, and the reason we did it is because of Christ, because of who he is, because of what he has done and what he is doing, and because we believe that he can work through us. You think about it. Why does every, by God's grace, we have seen so many people come to faith over these past few years. We saw three or four more come to faith just Christmas Eve, a couple of weeks ago. Why does every single person go into the baptism waters? It's not because of Pastor Spence. It's not because of Pastor Scott. It's because of Christ through us, right? I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm nothing. The source of Mercy Church is Christ. And I'm resolved, and this church is resolved to preach a first importance, Christ and him crucified. And the more we embrace our own weakness, that's why I even had it, part of the naming of Mercy Church, uh, you know, I was the founding pastor, planting pastor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but as we went through the naming process, I was like, I want to make sure my own ego was like, even in the name, make sure I, I put it aside and call it mercy. Because the more we embrace our weakness and then his strength through us, like, can you believe he would actually use messed up people like us? Like, you get to know me a little bit more. Or just talk to Courtney, my wife, all right? I am almost perfect. Now, I'm not, like, I got problems. And you got problems. And yet he uses us. Man, the more we embrace that, that we are just flawed, messed up people, man, the more he will work through us. And he's not just the source. He, what does he say? The perfecter of our faith. Not only the one who gives us faith and then is the object of the faith that he gives us. I love scripture. He's the one strengthening and refining that very same faith. Jesus doesn't just save you. He then remains with you, strengthening and refining your faith. (laughs) He's the one doing the work. The perfecter is one who not only makes our faith perfect because he supplies it, but he is perfecting us. In other words, there's a promise that as you and I commit ourselves to Christ, he's going to change you. He's going to transform us into something different than we were. We are not who we once were. We will not be who we are. You're coming into 21, limping maybe. You will not be who you are now. The more you give yourself to Christ, he will change you. He's going to keep working in us. There is hope. Think of it. Um, that I've seen this in my life, right? I've started referring to these moments where God like starts to change me as chiseling moments. All right. And the reason why I use that is because I'm never going to be chiseled physically. So I'm going to go with chiseled spiritually as like a hope that I can have for myself. Right. Um, and I learned this from uh, Kathy Keller in their book, uh, Tim and Kathy's book, Meaning of Marriage. She called, uh, called people like a raw block of marble. Right, And then God's the sculptor, and he is making you into a masterpiece. But to do so, he's got to use a chisel and a hammer. 
and sometimes some serious sandpaper. And that's going to hurt. Being the perfecter, formation isn't always easy. Big spiritual moments are usually where God is revealing and ding, 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 chiseling away some sin in my life. Right? Where the people around me say, hey, man, you seem angry a lot more. Let me give you one from my recent past. You seem angry a lot more. It's common for guys who hit their mid to late, you know, 20s like me um, to get angry. There's a lot of humor around my age today. Um, But we get angry because, you know, we feel like we've, we're entitled now to a certain ease of life, to a certain amount of respect. And so then when my kids disobey, that offends me. How dare you? You know, how dare you disrespect? I'm Spence Shelton, you know? And Jesus, the perfecter, comes along and says, no, 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 no. Ding, 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 ding. We're going to chisel that entitlement away. And I'm like, no, don't do that. That hurts. And I fight it until a friend or my wife or Christ himself through his word reminds me that he is actually better than that anger that I'm holding on to. And I choose to believe he will supply not just strength to be able to parent outside of that anger, but peace and joy. I'm going to do the opposite of what I want to do in that moment with that anger. And I'm going to try and and forgive in this moment and walk in peace. And some of that entitlement that has been breeding anger, ding, 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 he starts to move away. He starts to knock off. And I'm a different person. That's spiritual transformation. That's becoming into the image of Christ. This month, Man, if we could hear the Lord working, what I hope we would hear is a whole bunch of ding, 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 him just going to work on all of us, right? Ask the Lord to reveal the sin that he wants to go to work on. Invite him into it. That's a scary prayer. That's a painful one. You may not want to, you're like, nope, I don't want to do that. Man, he will change you for the better. Now let me close this kind of individual portion by showing you why you can trust him with your life like that. Second part of verse two, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's no way I can do this. This is a mountaintop. You need to study it. Why did Jesus endure the humiliating death of a criminal? Why did he see the shame of the cross, the shame of a criminal's death, Pick up that shame and thought so little of that shame that he did not bother to avoid it. And then the author talks about the resurrection in the coolest of terms. He sat down. Who sits down? Living people sit down. Dead people don't sit down. They ain't moving. (laughs) But he rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. Living and alive. Why did he do all that? Because of the joy that lay before him. What's the joy? The joy is the salvation that his death and resurrection would bring to us. We're the joy of Christ. He didn't begrudgingly go to the cross. He went because you being saved from your sin and being given new life in him brought him joy. And he looked through death to the other side to see our life and said with his last breath about our sin debt is finished. It's done. Why can you trust him? Surely, as I've said several times to you, church, if he didn't abandon you in his darkest hour, he won't abandon you in yours. Because of Christ, 
Because of what he did and what he is doing, you can trust him. You can throw off that sin and you can run with him, in him, for him. Now let me share with you briefly what all it means for us as a church. God has given us a mission that remains unchanged to make disciples who love Jesus, who love God, love each other, and love our world. Our vision has and remains, has been and remains, to see a gospel awakening in our city that is carried to the ends of the earth. That's a generational vision, all right? I hope you hear that. That's like a mountaintop that should God allow me to pastor Mercy Church until I die. And by the way, that's the plan, all right? My plan, stand up here, preach my funeral service, hop into the casket, meet Jesus, all right? That's my life plan that I have for you guys and for me. That's what I long, look, this gospel awakening is what I long to see should the Lord allow me to stay here till then, right? Where there is a maturing, multiplying, multicultural church preaching the gospel faithfully within 10 minutes of every person in the Charlotte area, where orphan care, homeless care, poverty alleviation, racial justice initiatives, prisoner rehabilitation, addiction recovery, where the church of Jesus Christ is leading the charge to bring healing into those pockets of brokenness. And and noticeable shifts are happening as a result, where the percentage of churches on the decline is in the minority instead of the majority, where pastors are being trained and sent out regularly because more churches are needed because more people keep coming to faith, where unreached, unengaged, uncontacted people groups are being reached by missionaries sent from Charlotte. That's the long-range vision. That's the mountaintop. I'm begging God to let me see it. But what are we... (laughs) What are we going to do in what we're going to do over these next few weeks is say, okay, if that's the mountaintop generational vision, how can we focus that into the next five years? What does it look like for mercy to contribute to a gospel awakening? We're just one church. So what's just our role? What's our part in that over the next five years? We believe we need to focus on three characteristics of God's church. Over the next five years, because of Christ, Mercy Church will devote itself to being a maturing, multiplying, multicultural church. Our five-year vision is not a destination on a map, but instead a portrait of who we want to become based on what we believe. And I'm so excited about it. If you want to know who we are and what we are going after, there it is. There it is in a sentence. A maturing, multiplying, multicultural church. Let me briefly explain those. Maturing is a lot of what we talked about today. As your pastor, it's my job to help you grow into the image of Christ and to equip you for the ministry he's created you for. So we're going to focus resources and energy on maturing believers. For adults, That we're going to double down on our commitment to community groups and to our equipping ministry. Because growing as, in, as a Christian, it involves, sometimes we just need to, there needs to be some educational learning. You learn your theology. Listen, in a post-Christian context, it's more important than ever that you learn your faith, learn what it is that scripture says, because you're going to be spending most of your time, you know this, you spend most of your time in contexts that don't believe what you believe, right? Right? But you also need people that you can walk through life together with who can sharpen you as you go through that process with the Lord. You'll hear about more about that in week three when we talk about our value and taking next steps in discipleship together. That's maturing, multiplying, week three of the series, I mean. Multiplying, like I said, God uses people to reach people. We are called to multiply our individual influence by sharing the gospel. We're called to multiply our ministry as a local church. 
In a few weeks, I'm going to share more details. I think this is week five of the series, more details on what that means. But here are the bullets. I don't think y'all are ready, but here they come. All right. By 2025, we will raise up, train, send out two, at least two church planting teams to send them out from Mercy Church to plant local churches. By 2025, we're going to establish a missionary training center here that will send at least 10 missionaries to live full-time overseas with more in the pipeline. We've already begun this, by the way, with two rounds of our first level training steps happened over the summer and fall of 2020. As you know, we're going to plant a campus of Mercy Church in Northeast Charlotte uh, very soon, Lord willing, this year. Our hope is by Easter. Right now, if the Lord allows, we'll be planting a Mercy Campus in Union County sometime in 2022. All right, more to come on that. If that's near where you live, start praying. That's multiplying, multicultural. Listen, I'm going to be delivering an entire sermon on this thing, week four, because pursuing multicultural unity under the name of Christ is one of the values of our church. In 2021, and by the way, not only is it just, it's what God calls the church to be about, but it's, if the, again, I'll talk more about this, but one of the stains on, our, on American history, of course, is slavery and then ongoing racism and discrimination, yeah. which means one of the inroads of showing the beauty of the gospel to our context is a church that is unified together, loving one another, honoring one another, Right? Not just assimilating into majority culture, but instead being a truly diverse body of believers who honors one another, outdoes one another in showing honor. Yeah. That's an evangelistic message to a world that desperately needs it. But in 21, this year, we're establishing a team of Mercy members led by Pastor Richard Barnes who will assess Mercy's ministry and make recommendations to the elders on what next steps need to be taken to become the multicultural church God has created us to be. Because we get to experience more of God with more cultures represented in this body. One culture does not have a monopoly on the worship of God. And listen, just as every individual Christian has baggage, but also a redemption story, so does every culture. Yeah. Right? And the more, uh, more to come on that, but by God's grace, we'll grow into all he has for us there. And all of this, plenty I haven't laid out, because it's just one sermon, all of this is because of Christ. Yeah. Mercy is, God has been so good to us, blessed us in so many ways. I believe he has brought you. I don't know everybody's name that I'm looking at right now, but I believe individually you. I'm 100% not joking about this. He has brought you here because he has gifted you in a certain way. He wants to draw you closer to himself, maturing you as you participate in the body of Christ. He wants to multiply his name through your ministry here and in your community. And as we figure out your giftings, you operating in your gifting will be how the gospel multiplies. And he wants you to experience the power of a culturally diverse family of believers on mission together. Maybe you come from a minority culture. Listen, you'll be a pioneer here. That's a high calling. And we're going to do our best to honor you as you lead our church. May God reveal to each of us over these next few weeks, our next step as he leads us together. And may everything that he calls us to. I think that, look, there's a whole lot on here in the the next five years that we don't know because we're going to follow where God leads his people. But may it all be done joyfully because of Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. 
Thank you. I get to stand here, celebrate Christ because of Christ. So thank you. God, we ask for your grace on our church. It's your church, in fact, not ours. Help us to honor you with your church. Thank you for my brothers and sisters today. I pray that you would give them strength to throw off the sin that so easily ensnares them and to run hard after you. In fact, let me, Christian, while you're praying, I know I do this from time to time to give you a chance to respond. I feel really like I need to do that right now. I want you to talk to the Lord. You can tell him, Lord, I need help, but I want to throw this sin aside this month. Lord, this is my step. I know it is. I know you have work to do in and through me, and I'm nervous about it because I've been hanging on to it so long that it's kind of become uh, like a a crutch, a source of life for me. But I'm going to throw it off because I know it's not what you want for me to help me. I believe Christ is better. Tell that to him. Ask him for the courage to tell a friend to get some help in it. If you're not a Christian, receive his salvation today. He's better. He's better. You can have it today. All it is, God, I'm done with that old life. I'm done being without you. I'm done choosing my way. I give all that to you. I repent. It means to turn. I turn from that. I receive Not death, but life. Forgiveness, new life. You tell them. God, unite us around a vision that is Christ and him crucified and resurrected, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. May we be a people that celebrates your great love and mercy. And may more people come to know the hope of Christ. Prayed in his name. Amen.